friendology. And we're talking about friends. And before I get to this today, uh, anyone else have a hard time spelling the word friend? I, I'm just being honest with you. I do. I, I always spell the, the word friend. Thank you. Some, Caleb, thank you for being honest today. A couple of, no, I, I, I always have such a hard time spelling the word friend. I always spell it F-R-E-I, you know, which of course is I-E. So if I have it spelled wrong someplace, just, you know, that little preface, if I spell it wrong someplace in my notes or whatever else, that's why. I'm just, I, I just always do it. And so I have since I was, I was young. But man, I, I'm excited for this, this message. And this really speaks to this whole idea this morning. And it's a, it's a massively important thing to talk about. Now, some of you might say, really, this really is that important. Like, you're going to follow up uh, a series on Romans, which is pretty, pretty heavy and, and pretty deep. And now we're going to go to, to talk about friends. It just seems like this big shift. And, you know, we sometimes look at this concept of friends and relationships. I'm not talking about, like, romantic. I'm talking about just friendships. We look at this as kind of being like bubblegum theology or just being this kind of, you know, light, airy thing. But I will tell you this morning, there is really nothing more important to talk about than this idea of church, community, and friendship. It's, it's, it's massively, massively important. And to illustrate that, how many of you have had a friendship in your life at some point that has influenced your, you and your relationship with Christ? Raise your hand if you ever have had that at some point. Somebody, uh, all hands across the room today, of course, we know that this is an absolutely critical, crucial thing. Because the right friendships, the right people in your life, the right people around you will set you up for success in the parts of life that matter most. But on the, on the flip side of that, when I, was, uh, when I used to do stuff that I shouldn't have been doing, I was getting in trouble, I never did it alone, right? You know, your, your friends can help you or your friends can, can harm you. So there's kind of a, a key I want to walk through in this whole series. This is what it is. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Now, when I was a youth pastor, I used to say this. I used to say, I used to say you could pick your friends, you could pick your nose, but you can't pick your friend's nose. Okay, so I thought, well, that's probably not good for adults, whatever. But, you know, so show me your friends, and I will show you your future. It's a big deal. It's an important thing. It, it, for our lives rise and fall on those who we put in our lives. A couple key verses we're going to kind of build the series on. Proverbs chapter 13, 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Again, show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Next one today, Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, and so one man sharpens another. And this is a big scripture for us. This really uh, works quite a bit into a part of our strategy as a church to help people connect. We want people to connect in iron sharpens iron friendships. I was thinking the other day while I was preparing for this, this series, I was thinking about how much of my life that there is two kind of two big things that have helped me to grow spiritually in my life. The first one is that I've, when you learn how to listen to God's voice through the Word and through the Spirit, when you have the Logos and you have, you have, you have, you have the Word, the, the written Word, even the Numa, the, the voice of the Spirit, when those two, when you, when you hear the voice of the Spirit in your life, and then you learn to submit to the voice of the Spirit, you learn to listen, but also you learn to do what He calls you to do, which is sometimes not an easy thing. You can learn how to do that. You are well on your way to growing in Christ. But there are also so many times in my, my, my personal life when I have seen that God's led me in a direction, but I have needed other people in my life to call things out of me and encourage me. I, I've needed that. I remember when I was 
in high school, um, I had this friend Ryan, and Ms. Ryan Red was my best friend in high school. And, and one day, I, my, my dad brought me to school. I don't remember why or the whole deal. Didn't do that oftentimes. But one day he did. And this is back in the 90s when people wore white jeans. Now, you know, that, that's funny, but whatever. I had a pair of white jeans when I was in high school. And so uh, they were actually blue, but they were like so stonewashed that they were white. And so they, they were white. And I walked into school one day, and my friend Ryan was right, thankfully, was right at the door where I walked in. And he goes, Steve, stop. You got to stop. He's like, he's like, turn around. So I turn around. He's like, Steve, there's something yellow all up and down your backside. You got to get changed right now. And so I, I'm like, what? So I look around and my, my whole backside is yellow. And what happened is I sat in my, my dad's car. He'd spilled his coffee in the front seat. And so I sat in the coffee, not knowing what I had done. And so my white jeans were yellow in the back. And of course, my, my friend Ryan said, hey, you know, you can't do that. So he brought me in. He's like, you got to stop. And so we went into the locker room. He had a pair of jeans for me. Thankfully, I don't know why I had them, but he had them there. So I wore his jeans that day. And he saved me from a long day of, of, of struggle. I can't imagine what would have happened if Ryan wasn't there. Because if I was that kind of guy, I might have been like, that's funny. I'm not telling anybody about that. That's hilarious. And not say a thing. See, that's what people will do sometimes, isn't it? You need friends in your life who will be honest with you and will call things out of you and encourage you when you need those things. It's not easy to be a believer. It's not easy to, to do what God's called us to do. And church, I think in many ways, this is the, one of the most countercultural things that the church can do is to walk in true community. The church, or the, the Bible is chock full of Jesus' followers learning to live and walking in body and community. Lone Ranger Christianity, though it might seem like it makes sense, is not a biblical concept. You read the scriptures and you find that the Bible is full of people who are, who are followers of Christ and who are living in community. It's, it's part of the, the, the scriptures. And so today what I want to kind of do is I want you to think about your five closest friends. Okay, think about those. You, don't have to, you can write them down if you want or just think in your mind. But I want you to list off your five closest friends. Now, here's a few ground rules. Um, it cannot be family, so not your spouse or not your kids or whatever, you know, not like, nothing like that. It can't be your family. It also uh, can't be imaginary friends, okay? These are people that are real, okay? So not your friend, you know, whatever that you, like, look in the window. That, 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 no, no, not imaginary. Also not your dog, okay? I know you love your dog, and your dog's pretty great to you and such, and he wags his tail when you get home and cries when you leave. No, that, that's, that may sound like he's your best friend. He's not. And, and so just not your dog. You're real, honest-to-goodness friends. Name five of them this morning. Now, as you're doing that, say a couple, couple things I'd like you to kind of consider this morning. These are people that you would call at 2 o'clock in the morning if you were in trouble. And they wouldn't be upset with you. They would say, I'm glad you called. Let me help you. Let me walk with you through this. Those are those kinds of people. These are people that you can call and you can be honest with. And you know, well, not only you can be honest with them, that they will in turn be honest with you. Five of those people, I want you to think about this. And as you, you do that, people smarter than me, there's, there's many of those, say you are the average of, the, of your five closest friends. Now, think about that today. You might say, oh no, 
Really? I'm the average of my five? Yes, you are. You are the average. You are the middle of your five closest friends. That can be really good news for some of us, or it can be not so good for some of us as as well. That, that's, that's what we got to kind of walk through this morning. See, that's what Proverbs chapter 13, 20 shows us. If you want to walk with the wise, you, you want to be wise, you walk with the wise, you want to be a fool, you walk with, with a, a fool. So I want to define friendship today. So we're on this the same page. What are we talking about here? We talk about friends. Because some of you today are saying, well, I've got friends. Look at my Facebook wall. I've got like 1,200 people that are my friends. So I've got all kinds of friends. You know, I've got a friend. Or I've got a dog. And my dog, I put, you know, I, I, I walk it every night. You know, I put little sweaters on him. He's my best friend, Pastor. So you're offending me right now. So that might be, that's your, that's your case. But well, let's look at what the Word says about friends. Uh, Proverbs 17, 17. A friend is someone you may or may not know well who accepts your friend request on Facebook or Instagram. This person is born to like your posts, comment positively on them, and make you feel really good about yourself as you take pictures of your breakfast or talk about your really hard day. That's, of course, Proverbs 17, 17, which is the SMV, which is the social media version, right? See, that's, that's how we sometimes define friendship. And you're laughing because you're like, well, of course that's not how it is. But here's the deal I want you to think about today. That we cannot underestimate how deeply the social media world has influenced our culture's understanding of friendships. Now, I know some of you, are, you are just awesome. And you're like, I don't go on social media. I never, you know, I, I don't do that stuff. And that's great for you. I'll be honest with you. I don't go on much on social media either. I, I go on there to post pictures of my kids and take pictures of steak that I had that I really liked one night. That's about the only thing I do on social media. But you can't underestimate the power and, and how, it's, how it's affected how our culture sees friendships. It made a big difference for a lot of us. And again, you may not be a social media person, but you live in this culture. And it has, it has affected all of us today. So this is what the word actually says. Before, that's not the word. This one is. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Someone in your court to care for you. Someone who can kick you in the backside when you need it, who can encourage you to pick you up, to dust you off, to help you move forward. That's what the word tells us is a friend. Now, wouldn't it be awesome to have a friend like that? It'd be amazing, wouldn't it? And again, this is the spot where I think the church is most countercultural because because this is not normal to have people like this. Because the truth is, very few of us actually have friends like that. According to a Pew Research poll, the average American has two friends they consider close. That's the average across the board for America. Two friends they consider close. A quarter of Americans polled say they have no one that, considers, that they consider a close friend, not one, and that is the only number in this, this research that's actually rising at a very, very fast pace. Listen, 25 years ago, this same poll was taken, and that number was six. So people had six close friends 25 years ago, and within just two and a half decades, that number has been cut down by two-thirds. That's a pretty big change. Again, what's happened in the last number of years? Well, we have the rise of a whole cultural phenomenon known as social media. 
Social media makes us think that we have friends and makes us do things in friendships we don't quite understand. How do I know? Well, 30 years ago, you would never have had a great dinner, and then you would have never taken a picture of that dinner and said, and called all of your friends, all of your acquaintances, all the people you went to high school with, all your family members you never talked to but once every 10 years, and take a picture of all of them and say, look what I had for dinner last night. You would never have done that. But your close friends, you might call them and say, man, I had a great dinner last night. And you would talk face to face and see somehow, some way, some along the way, that has changed. And our idea of friendship has gone from face to face, communication, just the day to day stuff, to image management and image appreciation. And that church is not what friendships are supposed to be. It's not selfies, it's not staff shots, it's not moments. That feels like connection, but church, it's not. What if the church were different? What if the body of Christ were different in this? And again, I said it twice, now the third time. This is where we are the most countercultural than, than about anything else, is, is in this spot. When we do what Jesus called us to do, listen to John 13, 35. It says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. See, for a lot of us, that might be a knock on a particular church, right? They say, well, this church doesn't have any love. This church is not loving. I come here, you know, and that's not our church, but that might be some, maybe you think that, or maybe it's another church, or you went to a church, and now you're here, because you're like, well, that church wasn't loving, and now this one is, and blah, blah, blah. All that kind of thought process, we kind of have that, because somehow along the way, we have come to this realization that the church is a place that I go to to receive benefits from. I learn about God or I feel his presence or my kids learn about God, whatever else. That's, that happens, that's true, that's part of what church does. But church, the church is not to be a place that you consume a, a consumable, right? God's called us as a church to be the body, to be a family, to be ones who people notice how much we love each other, that people in the world say, I don't know about this. Man, they love each other so much. That church is how Jesus said people will know who we are. This is countercultural. And this is also why it's so hard for us to grasp this, because we live in the culture. And many of us say, well, I'm not affected by that. But yet, our idea of this incredibly important concept absolutely is affected. We don't sometimes even realize that, church, we are called to love each other. We're going to walk through that in the course of the next few weeks in, this, in church. But I wanted to share a couple things today to kind of rediscover the lost art of friendship. It's kind of like a, a, an overarching thing that I, I want us to grasp when it comes to this whole concept. And the first one today that we can do is to be present. Listen to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Now notice this does not say, let's consider how to stir each other up or uh, how to stir ourselves up to love and good works, right? That's not what this passage says. It says to stir each other up. See, the writer of Hebrews here begins to show us something very interesting about the art of friendship and about what God's called us to be as a body of believers. We sometimes think, I got to come to church and I got to, you know, put on my good face and I got to look good and I got to love Jesus and worship him. No, what the passage here tells us is that we need to consider ourselves how to stir each other up in this. 
to be an encouragement to each other. And what's so fascinating if you can come to church with that mentality, your needs are matched. It's so interesting how God works into our lives and our hearts the things that we need when we meet those needs for somebody else. This passage begins to lead us down that direction. Listen as we continue. It says, not neglecting to meet together. Now I've got to pause there too. This word meet together is, is a very specific Greek word. It's the word episunage. And episunage is used twice in all the New Testament. And when we see meet together, we could, it could mean meet together for coffee, meet together for a meeting at work, meet together in front of Walmart before on Black Friday to jump into Walmart together. I mean, it could mean anything, but this passage here is very specific. This word means meeting together for a spiritual purpose. The writer of Hebrews wanted us to understand the level of, of, of importance that he puts on this idea to meet together, to not neglect that, but to put it into our lives to do this. As is the habit of some. It's interesting. He says that. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. It's hard to be a believer in our current world. It just is. It's just... It's countercultural. It's different. We need each other to encourage us and walk with us through that. And we start off with this by being present. There's power in being present. When I was, a, when I was at my last church I pastored in Kalamazoo, Michigan, uh, there was one, one day I, I did a funeral for uh, a family that was not a part of our church. They didn't have any church background at all. And so they, the, this man had passed away. He's about my age, and this, this wife of this man wanted her husband to have a church funeral. So they got out the yellow pages, and we were an Assembly of God church, so guess what? We were towards the top of the yellow pages. And so they just kind of found our church right there, and they called our church and said, hey, would you do this, this funeral? And so I, I, we said, sure, I'll do it. And so we, we helped them through this. Well, I, I wasn't prepared for what I was about to, to do. And so uh, what had happened is this man had gotten sick and it had died very quickly. It was very unexpected. It was very difficult and very hard. And, and it was just a tough, tough thing. And I had to walk with them through some really gritty stuff. As I met with them before the funeral, I mean, they were, they were mad. They were angry. Uh, there was, I mean, there was, it was gritty. And, and I'll be honest with you, I get prepared to do funerals in seminary and Bible college. I wasn't ready for this one. And then the whole time I'm thinking, God, why am I doing this? I feel like a failure. That's the whole time. And so we get to the day of the funeral and the, 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 the beforehand, the, the, the meeting beforehand, this man was cremated. And so they had a big picture, like right here, of this guy. It was huge. Of this guy right there. And this, this guy had a little girl. And the girl was about my daughter, Michaela's age. And she comes up to me. And I was standing right here. And she pulls on my, my coat. And she says, Mr., when's my daddy getting home? I lost it. When I saw that little girl and I saw my life, I, just, I lost it. And I'll be honest with you, I, I did a terrible job in that funeral. I, I, I stumbled through it. I stuttered through it. I, I, I messed my spot. I mean, it's just, I just did a terrible job in that funeral. I felt terrible. And afterwards, I told the family, I'm so sorry. I just, I, I'm normally more composed. This is a hard one. I just don't know what else to do. It's just so hard. And as I walked with them through this, this process, and I felt I failed, um, a few weeks later, this, this wife sends 
our church a, a letter, a note, and she says, I still have it actually, and she said, she said, you know, she said, I think we can believe in God. She said, because that pastor walked with us through this, we're going to give God a try. And I'll tell you this morning, church, that my, what that family did, did not need was my composure and all my great words and stuff. They needed me to be there. Church, I'm telling you, your presence matters. There's power in your presence. When, I was, uh, when my wife and I were going through some, some tough times, early on, before we had kids, we had struggled through having kids. We struggled through just miscarriages and just all kinds of stuff. I don't need to get into that. Just, it was just a dark, dark time for us. And people across the, our, the world, our friends, had written in, well, we're praying for you guys. And we appreciated that so much. It was so great. And even some of you guys did that as well back, back many, many years ago. But what was so interesting, what was so amazing was one night we had just lost another baby. It was painful. It was awful. My wife and I were home this one night. And um, her mom had just passed away recently. It was just a difficult, difficult time for us. And we got this knock at, this, at a door from several of our young people in our youth ministry. We were youth pastors at the time. They knocked the door, and they had a, they had a little, little meal there. It wasn't very much. They had a little meal there for us. And, and, they, just knocked, and they, they looked like they were, like, scared because they didn't know what to do. And they said, we don't really know what to do here, but we love you guys, and we want to be here for you. So we brought this for you. We've been talking to our, everybody. We're praying for you. Can we pray for you right now? And so those young people, those, you know, 16, 17-year-old kids, walked into our house that night and ministered so deeply to my wife and I. They're, they're, they're youth pastors. They ministered to us. There's power in your presence. So that's what we think that there is. We think, well, that's not really ministry. I will tell you this morning, church, that was ministry. That was the church being the church. That's what God has called us to, to be present. And then number two, to be transparent. Listen to what James 5, 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power in it as it is working. I will tell you today, church, you may impress people with your strength. You may put on a great show for people. You may look really wonderful and really good. That might be so, and you may impress them with that, but I will tell you what, you will connect with others through your transparency. It is a lifelong, it is an absolute truth that if you want to connect with other people, you don't connect by looking good and putting on a good show and say, well, this is my big house and my big boat and my big car and all this stuff. No, that may impress people, but you connect with people through transparency. That's how we do this. And see, this is why this is countercultural. Because we don't do transparency well as a, as a, as a culture, right? It just doesn't happen. We, when we're kids, we make friends because they're there. When we get to be adults, we make friends because we are honest with people about our lives. If you look around this morning, I, there's a, a, a promise. 100% of the people in this room know what it's like to walk through adversity. You're like, well, I don't have anything in common with anybody else. And my tr the answer to that is, yes, you do. You have adversity. That's why we need Jesus. Jesus, we need him. And, and he is the one who saved us and, and worked in us and delivered us. Jesus is our hope. Our hope's not in me. It's not in my abilities. But we need each other. And if you want to walk in community, you start by being transparent. See, we, we struggle with this thing because it feels like social media level friendships works. It makes sense. It makes a difference. If I post this picture of my steak that I had last night and 40 people 
say they like they liked it. Well, those are my 40 friends, and that's just not how it works, right? You gotta be present, you gotta be transparent. And then lastly today, be the one. As Pastor Joe comes forward this morning, be the one. Now, what does this mean this morning? A lot of people think that this is optional for believers, right? We're like, oh, maybe, you know, sure, that sounds good, but I'm not a friend person. I, I've got a dog, and, and he's my buddy, or I've got one friend. Or, I mean, it's just, this isn't my thing. I'm not a friend kind of person. Listen to what the, the, the scriptures say about community. And these are just a couple, okay? Trust me. There's a lot more. We would have been here all day. Here's a couple things that talk about, listen to what it says. Uh, so we can catch the heart. John chapter 13, verse 34, love one another. Romans chapter 12, verse 10, be devoted to one another. Romans chapter 5, verse 7, accept one another as Christ accepted you. Romans 15, 14, instruct one another. Galatians chapter 5, 13, serve one another in love. Ephesians 4, 2, bear with one another in love. Uh, Ephesians 4, 32, forgive one another just as Christ forgave you. Romans 16, 16, uh, greet each other with a holy kiss. I mean, I need some help now. I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that this morning, really. I, I won't. But see, church, that is community. That's the call God's placed on our lives. And if you say, well, who is he called? You look in the mirror, and that person he's called is you. You are called to this kind of community. The church is a community of believers that do that for one another, and it's your responsibility and privilege to plant the seed. There's a concept, as Joe begins to play, there's a concept that's biblical that a lot of us know well. It's called sowing and reaping. And we know this in a lot of parts of our lives. We know this in, 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 in finance. We know this in a lot of stuff. But I want to read this passage for you today. Let's listen to this reference. It's Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. This is one place that this, this concept is found. It is, and let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will, re we will reap if we do not give up. The concept is pretty simple. If you plant a seed, eventually... You can expect a harvest. Of course, if you plant corn, you're going to get corn. If you plant beans, you're going to get beans. If you plant uh, uh, tomatoes, you're going to get tomatoes. I mean, you're not, you're not going to plant tomatoes and get corn. You're not going to plant beans, and you're not going to get a, an apple tree. You're going to plant an apple tree, and you're going to get apples, right? That's, that's the concept of sowing and reaping. And what's so interesting about this whole concept is that your part in this in this whole this whole law your part is to sow it's god's part to bring the increase it's god's part to bring you to the place where you can then reap the benefits it's not your job in the middle your job is to walk it, the, the first part in sowing and then when in due season comes you reap and, and this is for some of us going to be very helpful for us today you you've heard those connections before and this is there's all kinds of madness out there about this concept and things and, and, and such, but, but this is such a wonderful truth for believers. There's so many things that God does in our lives that we think, oh, I gotta work hard, I gotta try. No, God's called you to walk in obedience and God's called you to plant seeds and to then walk in understanding that his promises are yes and amen. His promises when he promises something it's not a matter of maybe, it's a matter of it will happen. See, this is why this is, can be so helpful for some of us today. That you have sowed seeds of where you've thought, I'm going to sit back and wait till someone else does this in my life. 
I, I'm, I'm lonely. I'm frustrated. I don't have friends. I don't have anybody. So I'm going to sit back. I'm going to wait for it to happen. Or you have made decisions on churches and such. Well, this church isn't friendly or that one is or whatever else. So you've come to a place where you are a consumer consuming a product. And that's not the call of biblical Christianity. God's called you to sow, and then in due season you will reap a harvest when you, when you finish the work. You see, this morning, you have been sowing those seeds, and you're reaping a harvest. This also works in negative connotations as well, right? I mean, you sow garbage, you're going to get garbage. You've, you sow this life where you say, well, I'm going to wait for it to happen, or I'm great. I don't need friends. I don't need anyone in my life. I can, I'm 100% wonderful. I don't need anybody else. You've sowed seeds that... That, 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 are, that, are, that are planting that life, and you are reaping that harvest as well. Well, that seems kind of kind of, kind of straightforward, Pastor. I, I don't know about this, but to, I want to help you this morning, not hurt you. I want to help you today that you, if, you, if you are a believer, you walk on the Word of God, and you walk on promises from God's Word. And this is one of those things. You see, many of us have gotten this friendship thing wrong. We've never seen this or gotten this before, and we're alone we blame other people. Christians, God's put it in you to believe him for this by obeying him, by being the one to plant. And you got to go deeper here today because you got to take advice from the verse that says it opens with, don't get tired of doing good. You know, again, this is one of those areas where it's easy to get tired, isn't it? Maybe you're like me and you have invested a lot of seeds in a lot of people of friendships Maybe you've done it a hundred times, and you have failed almost every single time. And you get tired, like, ah, I'm so tired of this. But again, I remind you today, your job is not to make it happen. Your job is to walk in obedience and plant the seeds and expect that God will do that in due time if you do not grow weary in doing good. Some of you have given up on this community thing because you are, you're tired. You've invested. But again, you got to realize today, this is countercultural. This is not easy. This is not natural. This is not normal. People don't walk in Christian community. They just don't do this kind of stuff. It doesn't happen. What we, talk, we tend to do is to walk in the opposite of this and then complain when it doesn't happen. God's called you, church, to plant these seeds and then in due season to, to see a harvest that will come. Would you stand across the room with, with me this morning? You sow those seeds and you can expect a harvest. Right? You do not grow weary and you do not give up. Would you bow your head? Would you close your eyes this morning? Like, well, what shall you be planting? Well, we'll get deeper into that in this series, but here's a good start. Be present. Be transparent and be the one. Be transparent, be present, and be the one. Let God use you to make a difference in someone else's life. If you say, well, I don't have friends, I don't have community, then you began to make that happen. You're like, well, that's not how I work. I, I'm, Pastor, that's easy for you. You're, 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 you're loud. You, you love people. You talk. You're, you're open. You know what? It's actually hard for people like me because you know what we do? We plant a million seeds, and we never grow deep. Some of you are, have used that excuse, but you have, you have not understood that God's given you a gift. And your gift is that you, you grow great friends. There's people in your life 
There's people sitting here today that need you to walk with them through some tough times. And sometimes it just takes you taking the word of God at heart and saying, I'm going to step out. And if I'm, I want to see this happen in my life, I'm going to plant some seeds and then expect God to bring the harvest. And I'd be remiss today if I didn't give an opportunity for people to begin the, the greatest relationship of their life. And that is the one with Jesus Christ. He brought you here today. He placed you in this room today, not because of some happenstance, it's because he loves you, he cares about you, and he is speaking a word in your life. As, you head, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, no one looking around this morning, to keep the, sa- the safety of this moment for, for those that, that might be here in this situation today, you, you, you know today that you are lonely. You know today that you're struggling. And if you don't have Jesus in your life, I'm just going to be honest with you, you are missing out on the greatest relationship you could ever know. And you're like, well, I've been there, done that, Pastor. And I ain't that great. But I'll tell you this morning, give him another chance. But today, if you, if you give him another chance, I want to encourage you, and I want to ask you to not just say, well, I'm going to try God, but to throw your life into him and say, Lord, from this point forward, I'm going to give my life to you and be different. Again, this is not a consumable that you consume. This is a decision you make. And that's a hard one. It's a big one. It'll change everything in your entire life. And that's a good thing. You know it is. I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And I want us all to pray this prayer with me. But if you, if that's you and you need to ask Jesus into your life, I want you to pray this prayer with all your heart this morning. Dear Jesus, I love you. And I don't even know you yet. I'm going to give my life to you this morning. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for my past. Would you forgive me? Would you clean me? Lord, I give my life to you. From this point forward, I'm yours. From this point forward, I'm different. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Give God some glory this morning, church, because weekly... Weekly, I hear it from people that have prayed that prayer of salvation in our church. Now, if I can have the prayer team come forward this morning. And we're going to do something a little different today. We're going to close, but a little different this morning than I normally do. Normally, I have the band play for a little bit. and just takes. I want to do this a little different. Again, prayer team, come forward if you could this morning. And, and we, again, we need each other. It's so huge and so important. So if you're here today and you were sad, I need, I got a need in my life. I, I, I've, I'm a need for, for healing or I'm alone, and I just need to be honest with someone. This is a great chance. Take your first step. Say, be transparent. Say, I, I, I'm alone. I, I need someone. Would you pray with me this morning? These, these people will pray with you, and they will love to, to do that. And they are wonderful people. They will trust God for you through that, that, that process. But this morning, heads bowed, eyes closed. You might be here today, and you might say, well, I, I, I've heard this message. It makes sense to me. But I'm a little nervous because I've tried making friends. I've tried before and whatever. I'm just not sure how to do this. I'm not sure how it works. If that's you, you'd say, Pastor, I, I just, I, I want to I do something. I, I want to do this right. I want to build community. If that's you, would you raise your hand? And all across this room say, Lord, that's me. I, I want to invest in community. I want to see that this happens in my life, in my church. Again, please raise your hand this morning. All across this room. We're going to make a declaration to God this morning. Lord Jesus, there are hands across this room this morning. God, we want to see you minister and work, Lord Jesus. 
We want to be different, Lord. We want to see you, Lord God, create community here. Lord, it's not just a bunch of friends getting together to shoot the breeze. But Lord, we are calling things out of each other. Lord, we are, Lord, walking together in community. Lord God, our hands are raised this morning. And Jesus, I pray that you would place a seed in each upraised hand. Lord, a seed of friendship, a seed, Lord, of, of being there, a presence, a seed, Lord, of being transparent, a seed of just saying, I'm the one. Lord, put someone on my heart. And I want to encourage this morning as God just ministers in your life to say, God, this is my seed. I give it to you. I'm going to plant this seed this week. And Lord, I'm going to expect that from that seed will come what I need to have in my life, and that's community. Again, raise your hands. Lift those up this morning. Let's begin to pray across this room today. I want to encourage you in that. Church, again, this is not up to you. It's not your decision. How it, uh, it is not your decision on growing it. It's your decision to start it, to plant the seed. If that's you today, Jesus, we give these seeds to you. God, I pray that this church would be known Lord, as a, as a different kind of church. Lord, as a church, Lord, with that scripture, that, Lord, where you, where you said that by their love for each other, the world will know. God, that's what we want to build. If you're with me this morning, I want to hear an amen this morning. That's what we want to build this church. Let's be able to make this a prayer room this morning. Let's just ask God, Lord, do that. Don't let it be silent this morning. Let's pray today. Let's do that. Jesus, we want to see you do this in our lives. Lord, in our church, Lord Jesus, we know we've not always been perfect. Lord, no one is. But Lord, we are asking you to grow something in us. Grow something in our church, Lord God, that we will be known like this. God, the world needs to see a, a body of believers that truly love each other. And Lord, I can think of so many examples in this church where you have done that. Lord, there are so many here that have given sacrificially Lord, even this week, Lord, for those who have been sick and those who have been hurting, Lord, I, I can think of so many stories of that. Lord, deepen that in us, Lord Jesus. I pray this in your strong and holy name this morning. Everyone said.